You should too. So yeah, what happened to the Chico Demanwell show? Nothing happened to the Chico Demanwell show. In my quest to try to improve the podcast and take it from audio only to video, it was a hell of a journey, a lot of discovery. And on top of that, the filthy, disgusting rat bitch I was living with Suddenly decided that I was uh, a redundancy in need of, you know, reevaluation to determine my purpose in this world. She ousted me while I was in the middle of getting myself together with no plan, no contingency whatsoever. Because I forgot to put some clothes in a bag because of a fucking roach this bitch brought in. Now, if for whatever reason one day... Motherfuckers want to know about my sins. I'm more than happy to discuss them. I wasn't I wasn't a saint. I definitely did some things while I was there. But the bottom line is I owned up to it. And if a motherfucker wanted me gone, you shouldn't have accepted 900 and something dollars worth of rent from me. But it is what it is. I've already experienced the bitterness. I still experience it to this day, to you know, when I think about it, I think about how betrayed I felt or how how betrayed I feel. That someone I thought was my friend could just turn out to be so fucking ugly and disgusting. And she's got her issues and all that shit, but I don't give a fuck about this bitch's issues. If I got to work through mine, you got to work through yours. You gelatinous, disgusting, unattractive, worthless piece of shit. Fuck that bitch's entire existence. I don't care. I don't care if I'm being mean or I'm being harsh. That bitch can rot in hell. I hope she chokes to death in her sleep. And I told her this. You know, I don't give a fuck. Imagine being the Grim Reaper having to come clean that shit up. He's the victim in all of this shit. You feel me? So, yeah. Went through that shit. Um, had a bit of a relapse. Ended up finding some place to go. And what do you think some place was? I ended up finding this very, very sturdy, but freezing, abandoned building. Also being occupied by some heroin addicts. Now, if you know me, there's only two drugs out there that I've made a conscious decision to abuse. That's marijuana. Drop my lighter. That's marijuana, and that's crystal meth. I've not abused alcohol. I've not abused LSD, shrooms. I've done pretty much fucking everything short of fucking uh, ecstasy and crack. And at this point in my life, I'm not interested in... And figuring out a new high, I have to learn how to tame. Like, I'm just now getting a grip over the vices that I do have. So I don't need any more new drugs. So, uh, you know, those heroin addicts, they can't, like, stop. The way they describe it, they have to remain off sick. And the kind of drama associated with that after living in Vegas just kind of makes me think that I'm going to eventually get my shit stolen from me. Like, they welcome me in because 
They see that I have something to offer. If I was nobody, if I was just another bum leeching, they would have booted me out of that shit as quick as they let me in. I'm not stupid. So I bought a little air mattress and I bought some hand sanitizer so I could make my little flame like that shit was going to work. Then I figured out it was a hotel like maybe a half mile, not even from where the fuck that place was. So as a gift to them, I left them some candles. I left them my air mattress and the pump. They can have that shit. I can't do it. I can't live amongst junkies. I'm not a fucking junkie. I understand, but I can't relate. And quite frankly, I don't want to relate, you know. I understand life's hard, but that's a decision you made. And um, I don't want any fucking part of it. I'm a nice guy or whatever, but the moment you steal from me will be the moment I murder your ass. Because no one, you know, I just, I don't, I'm done. I'm done talking with motherfuckers like who may care, who pretend to care. I'm over the conversation phase. I'm over sitting here talking about everything. With motherfuckers who have nothing meaningful to offer. Like the advice objectively may be good, but subjectively in my situation is 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 inapplicable. I don't I don't I don't get anything from that. And at this point in my life, I understand that this particular situation wasn't necessarily a result of gross negligence or just misbehavior. It's just living with a fake bitch. Who I thought was my friend Who pretended to be my friend All up until the moment That she wasn't And then tried to tell me It was all my fault And I was supposed to read her body cue The bitch is a narcissist And and I would never take any action To make sure this happens But I would like to see her dead Like within a year That would bring I would show up to the funeral In a clown suit Playing the fucking kazoo And tap dancing in my oversized clown shoes. I would do a worm behind her funeral procession. I would go egregiously out of my way to convey the lack of respect, the hatred, the loathsome inferno of just negative emotion that I have for this piece of shit human being. As far as I'm concerned, why she's not dead yet? Like, What's death waiting on? And I'm working on dialing the bitterness back. I understand I'm a ruthless asshole piece of shit for feeling that way, but I'm okay with that. Because motherfuckers need to understand. Like, don't think the bigger man won't bury your ass. Like, just because I don't snap off and break your fucking neck on spot when you do some heinous shit, it doesn't mean that I forget. It doesn't even mean that I've forgiven you. It just means that I've processed the amount of man hours, energy, resources it's going to take to exact revenge on your ass. And at this moment in time, the budget doesn't account for it. So you continue to roam the earth, committing your fucking, living your life, whatever it is you want to call it, doing the shit that you do. And that's, and either I'm going to catch up with your ass a time gonna catch up with your ass. If you could burn a motherfucker's house down with them in it without going to prison for it, it'd be like Halloween all over again. But it is what it is, you know. I don't want to dwell on that for longer than I need to, but it's a big reason why my production stopped. Because when you're doing something like this, you kind of need a controlled environment I need something where I don't need motherfuckers ain't gonna be complaining about something that someone is paying to do. You know, I don't need to hear all of that shit. I need my own space where I could just sit in this desk chair with no pants on like I'm doing right now and it not be a fucking problem. I'm a very opinionated person. I'm eloquent. I speak what's on my mind with little regard for how motherfuckers receive the information emotionally. Fuck little regard with almost no regard. That's on you. Okay? So, uh, you know, what I've learned from all that is, like I said, I'm, I'm just done talking to people. Like at, at this point, I just look at it as this, this is the suffering. This is another test. Like, if I'm, if I'm supposed to be able to get... get the blessings meant to come to me 
and be able to handle it. This is what I got to go through because quite frankly, I'm convinced I haven't seen nothing yet. If I'm too familiar and I feel like I got all this shit situated, I honestly need another curveball to throw me off. I think that's why that shit happened. It happened. It was a curveball to see how I would respond to it. I was meant to get struck out this at bat. But it's okay. You know, that's how I was drawn up. Because now that I've seen this curveball, I'm just that much better at hitting it next time. The next time, if you leave that bitch hanging over the plate, it's going to become a souvenir for some some little kid somewhere. Or it's going to become an insurance claim when it busts somebody's windshield in the fucking parking lot. This is just this is just how it is. This is a part of human experience as a man. Like things could not things could be worse, but also things could not be better. Like I'm exactly where I need to be. And whilst indicators in my life don't point to that, while whilst it may not seem that way on the surface, small-minded people Except what they see on the surface. I'm not a small-minded person. I understand that this suffering right now, and I'm going through the betrayal, the 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 the, the withdrawal from having these conversations with people who are not on my level of understanding, who don't process information as effectively, as efficiently as I do, and as frequently as I do. We on two different wavelengths. It's like it's like trying to it's like trying to teach a construction worker how to knit sweaters. Like they probably didn't become a construction worker because knitting sweaters was their passion, you know? It's like you you you're trying to drag someone into the realm where they're just, you know, what the fuck? Like I I'm going to just keep building buildings, you know? Like this knitting sweater shit is cool, but it's just not for me. And that's kind of like the way I feel when I'm just talking to people about the shit that's happening to me. I take enough fucking ownership, man. I take almost complete ownership as often as I can. I'm always looking to see where I'm the one responsible. And in this one, I think I played my cards right and it was just meant to be. Like, this bitch was meant to get eliminated from my life. And she was meant to do it. And it stirred up a lot of hatred within me. But I mean, it's there. That's what it's there for, to be stirred up. I'm okay. At this point, at this juncture, I've accepted it. I still feel some kind of way about it. But I understand that that's the extent of energy that I'm going to expend on this shit. Like feeling some type of way about it is, is the precipice in regards to... How I feel about it. Or what I'm going to do about it. That's it. But what I'm also going to do. Is continue cranking out these motherfucking episodes. This shit ain't going to stop. It's been a year. Damn near. Coming up on January. It would have been a whole year. Of the Chico Demanuel show. I learned so much. I've read so many articles. I've enlightened myself. In a way that I never ever would have. If it wasn't for this. This podcast saved my life. And to abandon it. Because some little bitch can't get her feelings in order. It's not fair to me. I got the, 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 the situation. I got the environment. I got the resources. I got the mind. I got the motivation. And nobody can take that shit from me. Nobody. It's mine. So I'm about to fucking use it. Happy Thanksgiving. And welcome back to the Chico Demanwell Show. Bro, I'm at the point now where it's like I be I gotta fire every goddamn segment. Then I be wanting to be fried off my ass doing this podcast, homie. Seem like I found a batch of woods that's gonna cooperate. These this one ain't too bad. It was rather cooperative, easy to roll. Okay, uh, 
This one's courtesy of Daily Express US, which I've never fucking heard of that. It doesn't even really sound real, but I suppose that's beside the point. Uh, Dana White removes all Peloton bikes from UFC gym after Theo Von promised. Now, the reason I thought this was newsworthy, worth covering, is because Dana White is just, he's got the sweetest gig. Like, this dude, you can't really fucking censor Dana White. You know, these guys at the press conferences, what's the big fucking deal? What's the fucking problem? Like, Dana White don't give a shit, man. What you going to do, fire Dana White and watch the UFC collapse? Ever since COVID, the UFC has been on a constant fucking upswing. Like, it's been blowing up. So to see Dana White do this, it just just makes me feel good. Like, he might be a greedy capitalist. He may not pay his fighters enough. He might, you know, when, when he gets fucked on the deal, he might be unpleasantly vocal about the shit but he ain't woke man and in this culture right now when you find somebody that's not that's impervious they've reached escape velocity they don't fall prey to this woke bullshit it's worth acknowledging man it's definitely worth fucking acknowledging so i'm gonna go ahead and uh read this article here it says peloton's partnership with the ufc is over After President Dana White removed all bikes from their headquarters following a sponsorship argument with comedian Theo Vaughn, which if you haven't listened to Theo Vaughn, dude is fucking hilarious. Check him out. Uh, The company allegedly demanded that Vaughn remove a podcast with Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr., to which White took personally. After jeopardizing their sponsorship with Vaughn, Peloton has now seen their ties with the UFC cut. Vaughn revealed to White on an episode of his This Past Weekend podcast that Peloton demanded that he remove his podcast with the politician. The UFC CEO was so disgusted that the exercise equipment and media company were trying to influence Vaughn through their sponsorship and unleashed a rant on the brand. Peloton sells stationary bikes and they've got a problem with Robert fucking Kennedy, White said in their response to the company. Fuck you, Peloton. This is America. You can fucking have whatever you want on your podcast. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. (laughs) That's my Dana White impression. (laughs) White was outraged and then asked his team if they have Pelotons at their headquarters and training facility. Upon learning that they do, White vowed to remove all Peloton products immediately and even throw them away. We're going to throw them in the fucking garbage today, White said. We're throwing the Pelotons in the garbage. We're throwing them out of the UFC gym. White stuck to his word and posted a story on Instagram after the episode, showing that all Peloton bikes had been replaced by machines from rival brand Echelon. Vaughn also refused to delete the episode with Kennedy Jr. And it has 942,000 views at the time of writing. On top of making a public stance against Peloton and exposing them, White also went on to call out CEO Barry McCarthy. (coughs) Now, let's cut here. The fact that Dana White can just up and just be like, oh, this is what you're doing? Boom. Like, this is how cancel culture is supposed to work. Y'all tried to strong arm a comedian into doing what the fuck y'all want because y'all was throwing him a few dollars. Y'all said, no, we want you to delete your content. We want you to delete what you do for a living or we going to fuck with your money. And once Dana White caught her uh, winning that shit, somebody who could do something, it's like, you better watch what you say, nigga. You better watch what you do. Watch what you say. Watch what you do. Because of shit like this. And Uncle Dana, he ain't making no idle threats. That nigga Dana said, oh, that's how you feel? Okay, watch out. Watch us get rid of all these bikes because we fucking can. Because we can. And just went straight to the rival brand. Like, you lost the UFC. That's a fuck up. That's a blemish on your record. I don't care. I don't care who you play from great Jim Moore. (laughs) Like, fucking. 
I'm trying to figure out why they wanted him to remove the episode to begin with. Like, what, like, what, what political stance does Peloton have to where, like, interviewing Robert F. Kennedy, like, what they talk about on the podcast? Maybe I'm going to have to check it out now. 942,000 views is probably well over a mil now. So, yeah, I think that's probably what I'm going to do after I finish this segment and jump on YouTube and, uh, See if I can find that podcast and see what the fuck was so wrong about it. What was so bad about that podcast that Peloton was willing to stick their necks out and, and risk severing ties with fucking the UFC? That's a bad choice. Like financially, like business-wise, like I don't care how you skin it. That was dumb as fuck. And it wasn't dumb as fuck just because Dana White found out about it. But, like, you just overstepping your grounds. Like, that show you how just because these companies throw you a few dollars. Now I feel like they could talk to you any kind of way. They could do you any kind. They own you because you're sponsoring them. And it's like, <coughs> Theo Vaughn might have lost his sponsorship. They, I don't know if they said that in the article. It's still a little bit more to read. But Peloton got fucked hard. Got fucked Harder. They should not have even tried to pull that off. But they did. Like many businesses, Peloton has made significant cuts in 2023, which has resulted in many employees losing their jobs. As an entrepreneur, White is very aware of the market and decided to put further pressure on the CEO. That right there tells you exactly what Barry McCarthy is all about. Peloton just laid off 500 employees in their fourth round of cuts this year. McCarthy was forced to apologize for a different issue on Thanksgiving as many users were not able to complete their workouts. Peloton attempted to set a world record with their annual turkey burn event as they wanted to hold the largest cycling class in history. According to the CEO, 37,000 users completed the class, but thousands of other members were not able to participate as the demand could not be supported by the technology. We let you down, McCarthy said in a statement. Forced to apologize about a different issue, about his equipment being a piece of shit. So you want to break records, but your equipment crashed upon the attempt. Yeah, good shit, Barry. Yeah, that's, you know, <coughs> seemed like what went around came around in this, in this instance. The UFC dropped your piece of shit ass bikes because you tried to strong arm to flex a little bit of control you have or perceived control, one should say, unjustly. What went around came around. Like, I, I you know, trying to fucking censor and, and, and delete shit to further your agenda. You got what you deserve, man. And this might not even be like anti-woke, but I don't think, like I said, I really got to hear what was in that episode because they don't really talk about it, you know, but they must have been talking about something good if they, if they were trying to do, try to do this shit. Like it's some, whatever the, the, whatever consists of that podcast is something that they didn't want you to hear. And usually, the reason why when it's when it's something they don't want you to hear is because it's something that's gonna liberate you. It's something that's gonna actually educate you. There's some kind of value in that message that that warrants this behind the scenes bullying ass shit to try to get to try to s censor a message. This is why we need free speech. This is free speech at work. This is why we need the First Amendment. So when motherfuckers try to pull moves like this, you can actually say something about it. They can be held accountable. The number of members trying to join the ride overwhelmed our technical infrastructure, and we were unable to support all those attempting to participate in the class. The issue also stopped users from completing other live classes. Yeah, so basically, in so many words, these Peloton bikes is a piece of shit. Um... Let me see if I can find a little bit of this. God damn it. Ah. Uh.
My keyboard sucks. All the buttons are fucking dying. Jesus Christ. That's embarrassing. Y'all shouldn't have heard me mashing down on this shit like that. On, oh, God damn it. Key. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, my cheap ass. I got to click for my keyboard now. Theovine RFK4. Yeah. How long is this? Bear with me. Okay, so it's two hours. Like, we get like a... I'm going to listen to this. Because I really need to know. I don't see anything where it's like a... We get like a little bit... Talk about the... Something short. Nah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to listen to it. Because I need to know... Why Peloton was willing to risk their... You know... On top of having a shitty product, was willing to risk their whole business livelihood over this fucking podcast. It's got to be something juicy in that shit. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna cut this here. I'm gonna read. This, I'm gonna watch this segment. It's uh, two hours, and then uh, probably in the next couple episodes, I follow up on this shit because I need to know. I can't. I can't really even rant about the shit. Without knowing what it was that was so damning in this podcast that they... So, that's that. Alright, next up. uh, Courtesy of The Messenger. A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving racism controversy explained. So, just that headline is so stupid. I'm about to take an unnecessarily long time... To light my blunt. Because this is just dumb. And people's time need to be wasted because of how dumb this shit is. Not just my time. Your time too. So just just hang, hang tight and, and listen. Is it lit? Yeah? Okay, let's let's light it some more. Alright. Um, so for those listening, if you're not familiar with Charlie Brown, I don't see how that's possible, but Charlie Brown is one of the beloved characters from the Peanuts franchise, which, if I'm not mistaken, originally began as a comic strip and it's turned into movies, it's turned into all kind of animation, which has been, oops, which has been cherished and beloved for, you know, quite some time, as long as the fuck I can remember, you know. Charlie Brown was never racist, you know, so for them to say we got a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving racism controversy... I can't help but be somewhat captivated by that headline. Cause I just never ever associate like cartoons. This, this has been one of the, the better things. Like it's been one of the more positive, just just things, whether it be animated or not. One of the more positive things that we've had in our culture. So let's go ahead and get into this shit. These backwoods is a blessing. Is a well, not backwoods. These leaves are a blessing and a curse, man. I swear. So, Monica, what? Monica Marie Zorilla, Zorilla, Monica Marie Zorilla Franklin Armstrong. Okay, no, sorry. Monica Marie Zorilla is who wrote the article, but they lumped that shit all into the text. Like, I was supposed to be able to discern that shit at a glance. So, uh, Franklin Armstrong got a seat at the proverbial and literal table in the summer of 1968, mere weeks after Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, when beloved Peanuts cartoonist Charles M. Schultz introduced a black character into the all-white fray of Charlie Brown's inner circle. Now, in this first paragraph, like, this has been the case with a lot of cartoons, 
cartoons that have been created that have predominantly black casts in them. But when Peanuts was created, to say, like, the all-white fray, like, if it was something wrong with Peanuts, it's not the fact that the cast is all white. It's a fucking cartoon. It's a fucking cartoon, man. Like, do these leftists really got to suck the goddamn joy out of everything? Like, just just suck the joy right out of it. Like, what the fuck, man? Uh, pretty soon, Franklin was chummy with Peppermint Patty, Marcy, Violent, Linus, Schroeder, Shermie, Pigpen, Frida, Sally, and even Lucy. But how he was drawn in relation to the rest of his Peanuts peers uh, in a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving has been scrutinized and subjected to heated ethical debates about ra racial representation on TV. In the holiday special, Franklin arrives at Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving celebration along with Peppermint Patty and Marcy. The girls walk into the house while Franklin gives Charlie a little dap on his way in. I hope they don't say giving dap is like is some type of racial expression. Like, oh, uh, well, why would Franklin give Charlie's been around and give anybody else dap? So you're going to give the black guy dap? I, I'm, that might be in there. I'm just, it's just a thought. Charlie and Linus pull out chairs for Patty and Marcy at the table, leaving Franklin to sit by himself on the opposite side on a lousy lawn chair that was already the subject of Snoopy's ire. And they have a little picture right here showing everybody sitting at the table and the black kids in the fucking lawn chair beneath the perimeter, beneath the, the height of the table and shit. So, yeah, there's that. Having Franklin on his long side by himself, you could interpret that no one wanted to sit next to him. Darnell Hunt, Dean of Social Sciences and Professor of Sociology and African-American Studies at UCLA, told Yahoo Life in November 2020. Today, this would not be accept acceptable. It really does speak to the need for more inclusive creators and storytellers behind the scenes that produce these images. Okay, so let's just think about that for a second. So in the picture, you can see everybody else all sitting in a random assortment of chairs that do not that are not a part of a set with the table. Like <coughs> the table came from one place, the chairs came from the other place. So while you could draw that narrative that, oh, yeah, they're being racist to the black kid. Do we even stop and think that there might be any other possible solution aside from Charlie Brown's a fucking racist? Like, maybe they didn't know dog was coming. Maybe they just didn't have enough chairs. Maybe they all picked the other chairs and that was the last one left. What's racist about that? If you got an unexpected guess, regardless of what race they is, and you RSV, you, you, you plan for four guests, so you have four chairs, and then a fifth motherfucker shows up. It's like, what I'm supposed to do? Give up my chair and stand for this unexpected guest? I mean, no. But if you don't, then you're racist. Come on now. This would not be acceptable. Yeah, it would be, it would not be acceptable if you could conclusively determine. That like we just didn't want to sit next to you. That's why we gave you this fucked up chair on the other side of the table. But you can't you can't conclude that. There's no precursor to any of this shit being racially motivated. For God's sakes, it's a fucking cartoon. It's a fucking cartoon. Came out in the '60s, bro. '70s. I've never heard. Or seen a racist thing actually associated with Charlie Brown. That's why when I saw this headline, I'm like, really, Charlie Brown's racist now? Well, I gotta get, I gotta get in on this because I can't live in a world where Charlie Brown's racist and I don't know about it. Ah oh, man, let's continue. Uh, Hunt's thoughts on Franklin's visual exclusion at Charlie Brown's Friendsgiving feast have been echoed by countless others on social media who feel that the sole black character in Peanuts' solitude during the celebration was animated intentionally and done so with malice. If y'all don't think racism exists, check out Charlie Brown. So you mean to tell me no one wanted to sit by the little black kid and why they give him the worst chair? Think about it. Hashtag stay woke. User at the Scorpio Baby wrote on X. 
on November 22nd, 2018. Now, what that person, uh, this, this Scorpio baby did wrong was she suggested I think about it. Because now that I think about it, there are other explanations for why he's not right up at the fucking table or whatever. Like, there are alternate explanations. However, if I was to provide some, all you would do is say, no, they did that shit because he was black, bro. They did that shit because he was black. Peanut's racist, bro. And if you watch that shit, you racist too. <laughs> like, don't tell me to think about it. Then when I think about it, just say, no, it's got to be the thing you thought about. Like, your thought is the imperative one here. Blah, 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 blah. And in fact, Apple TV Plus publicity image for the special features, Charlie Brown sitting beside Franklin on the same side of the table in what seems to be an intentional divergence from the controversial seating arrangement in the special itself. Okay, so you're telling me when these niggas fix it, it's still a problem too? When they fix it and don't tell you that they fixed it because somebody already had this, you know, strikingly original thought that, that the Scorpio baby on X had, now it's a problem. Or you got a note to it with that, like intentional divergence maybe they were just trying to avoid this fucking discussion right here so yeah they intentionally diverge so we can focus on the thanksgiving part and not on the fact that everyone everywhere is a fucking racist that's what we don't we don't want to think about that but how dare apple tv try to take that step without letting us know or try to just do it and gloss it over like we supposed to know about this shit they should have stopped all the supply chain for all things everywhere. Just halt the world and let them know that Charlie Brown now sitting next to the black kid at Thanksgiving. They should have done that, and I'm kind of pissed that they didn't. I'm outraged, actually. So we got this timeline here. It says, the origin story of Franklin Armstrong, Peanuts' first black character. Looking back on classic Peanuts cartoons and comics, Franklin was a fairly innocuous character, a cheery boy who, unlike others in the Peanuts Brigade, rarely made a fuss or caused tension among his friends. And even though Franklin was a new kid on the block, introduced to readers nearly two decades after the first Peanuts strip was published, he was effortlessly cool and well-liked among his peers, as well as a good student. However, Schultz didn't play it safe when he first brought Franklin into the Peanuts-verse, and his inclusion was, at the time, quite radical. Civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. was killed on April 4th, 1968. Shortly thereafter, school teacher Harriet Glickman wrote a letter to Schultz urging him to include a black character in Peanuts. By the end of July 1968, Franklin was giving Charlie Brown his beach ball back. It was a wholesome, family-friendly way to introduce Franklin to the Peanuts crew, while also making a statement about American segregation at beaches and pools. Mm. Sorry, I got to hit my weed. I got to stay really, really high in order to, like, process all this shit. And on top of that, this blunt comes apart every time I fucking try to let go of it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm about to start, like, literally smoking super glue. Because that's how bad I want these fucking leaves to stay together. Like, they keep coming apart. Just like black families. Oops, I can't say that. But I did. Anywho, um... This reportedly wasn't done without a fight from the company that syndicated to the peanut strips, prompting Schultz to give them an ultimatum. Either you run it the way I drew it or quit. What other cartoonists say about the uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving controversy? The Charlie Brown Thanksgiving controversy has been making rounds on the internet for years now, but conversations surrounding black media representation in an entertainment, black representation in media and entertainment got particularly pricky in the wake of George Floyd's death in May 2020. Rather than ignore the controversy, the Charles M. Schultz Museum and Research Center wanted the public to actively engage with the ethics of the Thanksgiving dinner scene. They invited a panel of prominent black cartoonists, Elizabeth Montague, Bianca Exunis, Exunis, I hope I said it right, Exunis, Bianca Exunis, Darren Bell and Rob Armstrong to discuss Franklin's treatment in a Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving. So if, they, if this shit been going around for years now, like why didn't they? Why didn't anybody say anything about this when Charles Schultz was alive to speak for himself? Like we can talk about how all these other black cartoonists are going to interpret it, and I would think if I had to guess, 
for the most part, they're going to side with the racial narrative. It was on some fucked up shit. The only opinion that I would highly that, that I would value highest is that of Charles Schultz because he drew the shit, he wrote the shit, he would know better than anybody else. But let's see. I can't I can't believe how accurate that drawing is. I feel like I'm that dude on the side that side of the table to this day. Armstrong, jumpstart creator and a close lifelong friend of the late Peanuts creator, remarked during the panel. I know people are like that's racist. First of all, Charles Schultz named that dude after me, Armstrong affirmed, referring to Schultz's special request in the 90s to give Franklin his last name. He is not a racist. He is a wonderful human being who decided to put Jesus on the CBS Christmas special. He wanted Franklin to be that, but he knew he didn't have it in him. Franklin is still an underdeveloped character, but the guy knew his limits. Well, that's a shock right there. Like the dude just knew he's like, man, he ain't that dude after me. He ain't racist. I'm glad to hear that. I'm actually really glad to hear that. Darren Bell, Pulitzer Prize winning creator of the comic strips Canderville and Rudy Park, echoed Armstrong's sentiments in the panel discussion and added that he felt the pay- that the place settings at Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving table were almost like a, a a Rorschach test. When I saw that image, my first thought was that Charles M. Schultz really wanted Franklin to be seen and that Franklin was really important, Bell said, noting that his perception was shaped by all the other peanut strips and specials which, which he opined were kind, inclusive, and shine a light on the other underdog. Oh my god, man. I'm sorry. I, I just wish I could just smoke my weed, man. Like I, I see the appeal in these fucking leaks, but like you you're paying a heavy price for this better smoke because the goddamn fucking blunt won't stay together. Fuck lit. This bitch is trying to actively disassemble itself with every fucking pull. Like, why do I want a blunt that's fighting itself, dog? The fuck? We supposed to be on the same team. You supposed to get me high and I and I and I set you on fire. There we go, god damn it. Charles M. Schultz died in 2000, but his widow, Jean Schultz, was interviewed by Yahoo Entertainment in 2020 to finally clear the air regarding Franklin's literal seat at the Thanksgiving table and her late husband's involvement with positioning the Peanuts gang only black member during the implant. That's a long ass fucking sentence, man. It's a long sentence. Uh, let me see here. Per Jean Schultz, it wasn't her husband who was involved in the animation process of a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, but rather director Bill Melendez, who collaborated with the Peanuts creator on cartoon special for decades until his death. She also noted to Yahoo that while Charles, whom she effectively affectionately refers to as Sparky, did admittedly struggle to give Franklin the same memorable quirk, memorable quirks as, say, Lucy Van Pelt or Peppermint Patty. It was only because her husband wrote what he knew. Franklin is a limited character and is not for any particular reason except that he was not in Sparky's familiar childhood experiences that he pulled his themes from. In addition, the cartoonist Widow made an official statement about the Thanksgiving episode's controversy in a blog post for the Charles M. Schultz Museum and Research Center. While it can't be known now which animator drew that particular scene, you can be sure there was no ulterior motive. I fell back on Peppermint Patty's apology to Charlie Brown, explaining that she meant no harm when she criticized his poor Thanksgiving offering, which goes something like, There are enough problems in the world already without these misunderstandings. To suggest the show had any other messages than the importance of family sharing and gratitude is to look for an issue where there is none. Thank you. Fucking thank you. That's what I said in the beginning, man. It's fucking peanuts, man. This has never been malicious in any way. So for somebody to even attempt to draw a parallel to this man being racist or this shit being racist somehow because of a snippet in the fucking Thanksgiving special, like a period of time within that shit of him having to sit in a lawn chair as a new character while everybody else is sitting in another chair. Like I said, you didn't take the time to think outside the box. The people who drew the shit and other cartoonists, to my chagrin, against what I thought, actually was able to peep game like this shit ain't racist bro it's not why does the left want to ruin everything everything under the guise of making it better you realize all this editing 
to fit the narrative of this utopian fantasy, which is impossible, yet you strive for it constantly, nonstop. Like, that takes the life out of life. There's nothing to be had when you take everything fucking from it. We can't feel good about anything. We can't look back finally on any fucking thing because it was written during a time where some racist guy wrote it. So now we just got to erase it or replace it with a worse modern version of it. The modern reboots of everything are fucking worse. Most of the time, they're worse. Why do we keep opting for something that's worse? I really don't understand that shit, bro. I really don't understand that shit. The left will go as far as trying to fucking say peanuts is racist, dude. That should let you know. Like, at least if, if you still think that the left is the direction to go in, to, to, to lean, to side with, these niggas tried to ruin peanuts, bro. One of the most purest inventions known to mankind. And if that don't convince you that the left is a tyrannically out of control fucking self-destructive force out here that I don't I, and you can't be convinced and f convincing you probably ain't worth it anyway these niggas tried to ruin peanuts bro they're trying to say peanuts is racist these people only have one narrative if you don't align with that narrative you may as well be against it you could agree with some of the shit they say but if you're not a full-on die-hard willing to risk it all plaster that shit on every surface everywhere if you're not that then you're useless to them you are the enemy you may as well be on the right when you hear this woke shit blasted at your face you really need to sit down and just chew just just think about it just like the scorpio baby said think about it but don't think about it with a bias like just think about that shit objectively is this situation objectively racist? A newcomer, regardless of race, shows up to your event unexpectedly. And he gets a perceivably less valuable chair than the rest of them at the dinner table. Is that racist? Or is there a, another possible explanation for this? That's all you got to ask yourself. Is there another possible explanation? You don't have to land on racist and it's just racist. If there's another possible explanation, explore it at least before you jump on this racist, race-hustling, hate-filled-ass bandwagon to assume everybody's after black people, man. It's, it's just times have changed. All right, let's get right to it. Courtesy of State of the Union. Mayorkas warns agent not to misgender border crossers. So according to this headline, we have another example of some motherfuckers doing some illegal shit being protected by the people in power based on that headline. Don't misgender the border crossers. The fuck? Now, before I actually even read that, Oh yeah, I'm also smoking right now. Fuck firing up. I'm I'm blowing. So like in terms of like border crossers being transgender or non-binary or whatever the fuck, I don't even think that's real. And quite frankly, if you are entering the country illegally, the last thing I'm worried about is your punk ass gender. Fuck your gender. I'm worried about your citizenship. So, uh, let's read this stupid shit. President Joe Biden's border chief, Alejandro Mayorkas, has issued instructions to border guards to use, quote, woke language and avoid presuming the correct sex and corresponding pronouns for illegal migrants. This nigga really said woke language? This nigga really told government agents tasked with, with securing our border so illegals don't walk into this motherfucker like it's a Walmart. You got, this ain't happening. 
I really don't think this is happening. I really don't think there's been any controversy or any any kind of hoopla whatsoever over illegal immigrants distraught because a border crossing patrol person said, hey, sir, uh, excuse me, I'm a ma'am. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. That's a huge issue. We got to talk about that. We got to do we got to do things about that, ma'am. I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't want to misgender your genitals either. Is your are your genitals male or female, or are they non-binary? Do you have non-binary genitals? May I see your genitals, please, so I don't misgen misgender you? I don't want to be a, a genital misgenderer. <laughs> Fuck out of here, man. This directive disregards biological sex distinctions and prioritizes individuals' chosen gender identities. Guards are told to ask for preferred pronouns and avoid asking about sex unless operationally necessary. No, no. This is absurd. And even though I'm reading an article that says it's happening, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think this is false. Quite frankly, this shit is not happening. It's not. Nobody sitting up in this motherfucker talking about, oh, I'm being misgendered. Hey, I know I'm here illegally, but watch that misgendering. Don't ask me about sex unless you absolutely have to. It's not fucking happening, bro. We got a tweet here from Oversight something. Can't see it. Biden directs Border Patrol to use illegal aliens preferred. We just obtained CBP at CBP documents directing personnel to only use woke language when encountering individuals invading the United States. Oops, I did not mean to go to Twitter. I mean X. I never want to go there. Maybe now, but so we got a little a tweet here that says, do not use he, him, she, her pronouns until you have more information about or provided by the individual. Use Mr. Mrs. Miss Sir Ma'am salutations until you have more information about the individual. So how can you use Mr. Miss Mrs. and Sir Ma'am, Mr. Miss Mrs. Miss Sir and Ma'am? How can you use all those without misgendering? Mr is not gender neutral. Mrs. is not gender neutral. There are no male misses out here. It's just not. The Oversight Project at the Heritage Foundation posted, we just obtained Customs and Border Patrol Agency documents directing personnel to only use woke language when encountering individuals, blah, 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 blah. Mayorkas has also directed border guards to open the border to more than 6 million migrants since early 2021. 6 million. So it'd be different if it was like 10,000 people. It'd still be reprehensible to allow the shit, you know, under all these pretenses that they're allowing them. But you got 6 million motherfuckers all entering the country illegally. And now on top of that, we got to worry about misgendering these motherfuckers? Bro, let me just kick it real with you for a hot second. I couldn't give a shit about misgendering anyone who is not worthy of respect on a personal level. Like, you get the baseline respect, sure. But I'm not going to pull out my handy-dandy gender notebook and search through the encyclopedia of fucking genders to make sure I'm I'm hitting the nail on the head with you. Fuck you. I wouldn't even be speaking to you if you weren't breaking the law. The United States is not a soup kitchen. And these motherfucking Democrats and leftists will make any kind of any kind of any kind of uh uh excuse for these motherfuckers. Yeah. Oh well, they're they're seeking asylum, or they they don't have any food, or I, I understand. It's been times, even in America, as an American citizen who works and pays taxes, where I don't have any fucking food. I was born here. I've been here thirty goddamn years, and now just because Jose and Maria is hungry and seeking asylum, oh, well, just just come on in. Just sleep on the streets, you know? And I'm sorry, Jose. I didn't mean to call you sir. I meant to call you ma'am. And disculpa, Maria. Voy a llamarte eh, señor. No. No, not going to happen. 
this, uh, this pronoun policy reflects a progressive desire to erase cultural, geographic, physical, and biological distinctions, allowing leftists to feel good about assisting migrants despite potential harm to Americans. Yeah, not only do they want to erase cultural, geographic, physical, and biological distinctions, they want to erase all distinctions. They don't want a universal, concrete, reliable set of verbiage to describe people until someone's a victim. Then they will play identity politics with you until the cows come home. The left lives on identity politics. You're not James Smith. You're a black, gay, transgender uh, American. Fuck what you particularly have done for yourself or anyone around you. This is the demographic you fall within. And based on the, 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 the characteristics we assign this demographic, that's who you are. I know you didn't sign up for this group, but you don't have to. Leftism doesn't sign you up. It abducts you. See what else we got here. Uh, the oversight project also reported that interviewers were instructed to avoid what is your sex unless it was relevant to a particular situation. Now, unless you're having sex or a person come in and every bit of their skin and face and body is covered, you probably won't need to ask somebody that. And let's say that person's like six foot and eight or something, six foot five, really tall individual. You can probably assume it's a guy. And if you don't and your skin's not there, I'm working with all the data I got. When you look at somebody and you call them sir or ma'am based on what you see, it's because you look at a person. You can probably see breasts protruding through clothes. You can see the shape of one's body. You can look at one's height. You can look at one's hair generally and make a safe assumption on whether this person is male or female. That's what you use to make the assumption. You're using incomplete data. But the only the only way to complete that data would be to see everyone naked and you can't do that. You can't just excuse me ma'am, I need you to pull down your pants. I need we need to do a genital check just to make sure you are what you say you are. That would be rude as fuck. That would that's that's untenable. So if, if you can't make assumptions because they're wrong, then nobody would make assumptions. You have to make assumptions. I actually just went through this at work. I made the assumption that a particular girl didn't like me. And I was told, well, I don't know what kind of day she's having. I can't just make assumptions because what if I'm wrong? Then I'm wrong. Then I'm fucking wrong. Unless I'm poised to go to prison for being wrong. I don't give a shit about being wrong. You guys probably made assumptions about me when I first came over here. And I'm sure those assumptions were wrong unless you assumed I was going to come in this bitch and dominate. Which, how could you assume I'm going to come in this bitch and dominate based on my genitals? Or something, you know, like, the fuck? You can't assume that. But if you do assume it and you're wrong, I don't care. I don't care. My life isn't over because of that shit. It was also reported that he and she should be completely avoided until more information be, can be collected from the person in question. All of our rights and freedoms depend on having clear meanings for terms, and they depend on having a clear understanding of common ideas, said activist Natasha Chart, adding, and queer theory is the idea that having clear understandings of anything is categorically oppressive. Which means it's also categorically fucking stupid. You can't have a clear understanding of anything without being oppressed, or so the more I want to know about you, the more oppressed I'm being by asking questions, which is what we're supposed to do if, we, if, we're, if we're unsure. And how can I ever be sure? If I'm looking at women telling me they're men and I'm looking at men telling me they're women, how can I be sure? Because if that happens to be true, then that puts the previous meanings in question. You can't have the previous meanings exist alongside the neo meanings like it doesn't work. It's, it's objectively confusing. Especially if you live the majority of your life where this shit hasn't even been a discussion. This shit hasn't been a topic, an issue. It hasn't been anything outside of fantasy land. Queer theory. Just the name alone suggests that 
This is just your this is just your swing at it. It's just your take, your theorizing. Theory isn't a gospel. Even on the notion of what created the universe that we all live in. It's called the Big Bang Theory. Why is it a theory? Because we can't really prove it. The Big Bang Theory serves as gospel because we haven't really heard a better theory yet. One that carries as much weight. It's the most agreed upon theory. But at the end of the day, it's a theory. So we'll never know. Just like with this queer theory shit. We'll never know. So why in the hell should we base our entire society around something we will never know in that regard? It's asinine. It's completely incoherent. It makes no sense. It's dumb. And as long as you speak the truth, you will forever, forever be at the center of all the hatred of these goofballs. And you should be totally okay with that. You should be fine with it if you've got these motherfuckers upset with you for speaking the truth. You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. You're doing something right at the minimum. You're doing something right. I would not lose an hour of sleep. I would not toil and wreck my brain over whether these motherfuckers are happy or not. I wouldn't bat an eye at all. I would simply keep these people's names in mind. These are the people that run this shit. Remember these people. Alejandro Mayorkas, you want us to play woke ball. You want us to worry about misgendering the people who are occupying American jobs and bringing in the rest of their family members illegally. I'm not saying all immigrants are entering illegally. I'm not saying none of them have a purpose here. We should allow some immigrants. It's a part of what makes up the diversity of America. The healthy diversity, not the DEI diversity. But this shit right here, man. We can't have our border crossers worried about misgendering motherfuckers who ain't supposed to be here. It does. It's it's completely. It's just is out of this world. Like it's hard to even take it seriously when you see it. So, fuck this guy. Fuck his face. Fuck his policies, fuck his directives. We need people in there who are going to actually secure the borders of this country. Even though the United States is a melting pot, it's still a process to get in the fucking pot. You can't just walk in this bitch. You can't just waltz in and expect to be treated like citizens. Because at the very minimum, the actual citizens are going to have a problem with that shit. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Uh... I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, man. I know the holidays can be a real hard time for people, especially me. My grandmother passed away on Thanksgiving Day three years ago, so you can imagine how Thanksgiving is a very, very tough time for me. Like, <clears throat> I I was traumatized, and I tried to cover it up completely and, and convince myself that that was dealing with the issue and sent me on a wild-ass spiral that probably couldn't have been avoided but could have been mitigated a little bit so you know just don't don't look at thanksgiving like it's some type of celebration of colonizers who abused native americans and all that shit like that's just not the point that's not the point of this shit and that's why wokeism and all these other philosophy like they all these, these ideologies are harmful man Thanksgiving is about coming together, man. It's about family. It's about unity. It's about a lot of other things, man. Like I was, I was grumpy, you know, for Thanksgiving, and but I went and spent time with my sister and other members of my family, and like I said, I wanted to spend Thanksgiving alone. But in hindsight, it was absolutely the right thing to do, man. It was absolutely. It felt great to be around people that I loved, people who you know 
I've seen for the duration of my life. And it wasn't worth being salty about some things that didn't happen already and it's out of my control, man. Like, I'm never going to get my grandma back. Like, I'm never going to get the time I went and acted the goddamn fool. I'm never going to get any of that back. So there's no point in really worrying myself. Like, you know, I don't have to be happy to have a better mindset about this shit, man. So for you, to, for somebody to sit up here on Thanksgiving and be talking about, oh, we're celebrating colonizers and how they murder people. It's like, they just completely missed the point. And they choosing to look at the negative side. Like, it's been war, it's been battles, it's been bloodshed for the, for the, since the dawn of humanity. Like, it's part of it. These people are lunatics. Be with your loved ones. Look at the brighter side. This is a real glass half full kind of day, man. Like, these are the holidays. It's the best time of the year, man. We've all made it another 365 days. Like, it's a beautiful thing. And we need to be looking at it like that instead of trying to use it as an opportunity to race hustle or fucking just promote this propaganda all the fucking time. Like, it's just not always that. So... Once again, that's the show, man. Thanks for listening. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Nothing happened to Chico DeManuel's show. Ain't no weapon formed against me gonna prosper, you know? I got faith. I got determination. I got discipline. And I do what the fuck I say I'm gonna do. So you ain't gotta worry about this shit going nowhere. We pushing the year strong in this bitch. Until next time, I holla. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving.